welcome to Monte Vista, episode 117. That's right, 117, just like the... Oh, no. Oh, no. I got <laughs> oh, this no. wrong. What have you done? got this wrong. I was going to have a reference, but it turns out the reference is 177, not 117. Hmm. It's going to refer to M. Night Shyamalan's East Rail 177 trilogy. Don't know what that is. No, Sounds okay, bad. So you, you could have just said 117 and literally everybody in the world would have just nodded and said, nope, don't understand the reference, but that's fine. Yep. No, it's, uh, you know, those classic movies, Unbreakable, great movie. We can all agree. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen okay. it. It's so good. Not even Unbra- the first M. Night Shyamalan film I would think of. Oh, it's, it's probably his best. Okay. Yeah, um, this. Very good, and I recommend it extremely highly. It's uh, it's the superhero movie we all need in terms of it's actually good. Um, and then there's the Split, the Split Personalities one mm. with um, James McAvoy. And then Glass, mm-hmm. the one where it. he brings them all together. Mm, haven't seen that one either. <sighs> haven't seen any of them. Don't, perhaps I will watch them. Is and there course, a twist? Do they have East twists? Rail 177 is the train... That crashes at the start of the very first movie, setting off the events <laughs> of all three films. They have um, facts. Slight problem with the fact that it's not the number that I was hoping to reference, and also that nobody here has seen any of the movies I'm talking about. We should keep but talking I- about it. Everyone loves when you go off on a huge spiel <laughs> about the number of the episode for several minutes. <laughs> Everyone's sitting at home going, oh, it's Andrew time now. Here we go. Everybody says, here we go. Here goes Andrew talking about how unfairly maligned M. Night Shyamalan is. Mm. And I think that's true. Other than some of the extremely bad movies that he's made, all the rest of them are really good. Um, I'll, I would keep talking about them, but I get the suspicious feeling that no one else here has seen Agreed. any of them. Oh, I've seen Sixth Signs. Sense. I've seen The Sixth Sense. Yeah, Signs was good. I saw Signs at the cinema. Signs mm. is not bad. Don't hate I remember it. seeing Signs at the cinema, and that's this, like, everybody likes to clown on M. Night Shyamalan because they're like, oh, and he had, like, one big twist. Blah. But, um... I remember seeing Signs at the cinema and, like, the very first reveal oh, of an, man. Of an yeah, alien. Oh, driveway. Yeah, yeah, Fuck and like me. everybody in the cinema I was in screamed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and people shrieked. Yeah. And like, you go back and watch it. If you freeze frame that shit, it's like a a Bigfoot style guy in a rubber suit yeah. thing. Mm. But he he had built the atmosphere of that movie so well that everybody freaked the fuck out. And that's uh, that's been the M. Night Shyamalan hour. M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> Hour. <laughs> uh, if you have a pro or anti M. Night Shyamalan opinion, please write into lucy at buntavista.com sure. and let her know how you feel about it. Because she clearly has the strongest M. Night Shyamalan appear- very, uh, opinions. Very strong feelings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of things that it turns out that a whole bunch of people have strong feelings about, mm. uh, there was a climate strike in Australia. A couple of days ago. Across the world, really. Across the world. Hmm. Um, Lucy, did you go do one in Hawaii? I didn't hear of one here. I may have simply missed it, but it certainly wasn't as big as it was in Australia. Do you guys have the climate over there yet? There, there's certainly some climate here, and it's one that I don't enjoy. <laughs> You've chosen well. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's lucky that you spend your entire life there now. Mm-hmm. It's lucky I'm physically stuck here for several months. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. You can come back to the um, totally mild climate of Australia mm. any day now. Very mild. Yeah, like very rain f- for like the first time in months in Brisbane here. And before that, it's just like walking around. Everyone's like skin is just audibly crackling. <laughs> it's a good time. Sounds good. We we had several days of like um, of like sort of 23, 24 degrees. In a row, it was like sunny and really nice. We went, oh, I guess that's the end of winter and it's springtime now. And then the next day it snowed a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Very normal. Very cool. normal. Cool It's stuff. all going great. So, there was a big climate strike uh, across the world, but also in Australia. Some might say especially in Australia. Um, those of us who are standing around in here. And I guess the, the numbers were pretty amazing. I think it was like the, the second biggest 
uh, collective action in Australian history behind, oh. well, it was behind the uh, anti-Iraq war protests. Yeah, I think that was the one that they, like, were wondering perhaps even if it will beat, uh, even if it would beat, not quite, but still, I think, huge numbers for Australia. Yeah, so the the um, the anti-war one was just before Australia announced um, that it would be joining the, the invasion in Iraq in two thousand and three, and yeah, that was that was definitely the clearest possible message that you could receive from the people of your country that they really don't want you to do this thing. And that then you're what making happened? Very obvious. Yeah. Then yeah. Just then what happened? Think, mm. And then um, we didn't, yeah. right? And then we, we won the war on terrorism. That. We right. certainly did. We we got them WMDs, and everything turned out great for the next mm. however many years. However long. Well, yeah, like my my memories of that as well were that like the government spent a very long time insisting that it definitely wasn't doing that, and they were like, "Oh, we're just." We're just, um, you know, moving some ships into the into the Gulf. We're just helping out for a while. We're just, you know, we're just hanging around. We're just watching, really. We're just standing at the edge of the war and watching. Mm. Um, and they maneuvered a whole bunch of ships in there and everybody went, hey, it's very obvious that you're going to do this and please don't. And they were like, hey, 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 relax. We haven't committed to anything. It's fine. It's fine. And it's probably just going to be a couple of surgical strikes. We'll be home by Christmas. Uh, Christmas 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Date subject to adjustment. Hmm. Well, we don't so, really um, know when Christmas is anyway. Well, that's it. There's no date in the Bible. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, what's the what's the estimate on numbers for this bad boy, Theo? So, depending on who you ask, if you ask the organisers, they say about 300,000. Um, if you ask, you know, more, I guess conservative estimates of about 180,000 so somewhere you know somewhere 200,000 plus I would say um, mm. which is again there's a gigantic number um, sort of gets split proportionally based on uh, how progressive and not uh, extremely dumb your city is um, so you know 100,000 in in Melbourne which was the biggest one I understand uh, 80,000 in Sydney you know marking them as a garbage city um, mm. that is not mm. as good as Melbourne uh, Brisbane of course um, felt big on the ground um, but proportionally smaller you know somewhere probably around 20,000 20,000 people um, which was the same number as came out in Hobart. Wow, that's bleak. So something like 10% of Tasmania's population went on strike. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and so forth. So um, just resounding numbers. Um, you know, I, um, I was at the one in Brisbane with Ben um, and they'd organised for... Uh, you know, Queen's Park, and it's all, like, broken up into different zones and that kind of thing, because um, I assume they kind of thought it would go like the last one. And then you turn up, and there's, like, a queue to get in going all the way down, like, a block, two blocks sort of thing. Um, it, it was um, way, way bigger than they than they expected. It looked busy. I feel like I saw pictures of the crowds, and it made me feel anxious. Which means there's probably a lot of people out there. Yep. Um, but all very, everyone being very well behaved. I think we can get into that later on. But um, the the feeling on the ground was was very good and very positive. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the same here in Canberra. Um, I went to one. Um, there was there was a lot of support, uh, which was good to see from like um, you know unions and local yep. businesses as well. Yep. There were lots hundreds. of unions out. Hundreds of businesses across Canberra that all said either take the day off or take the time out of your day to go to this thing. And um, hmm. uh, yeah, the the company that I work for sent a thing around saying, hey, make sure you go to this thing. Make sure you um, you take time to do it. Uh, we're happy for you to extend, you know, your lunch break by however many hours and not count it as work time or anything. I mean, not count it as, you know. Uh, taking oh, time but off I, work or anything. But Andrew, if I don't go, then I'll be the pariah sitting alone at my seat. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to pressure me into, uh, you know, uh, all the like all the Marxists at my workplace will judge me and exclude mm-hmm. me at lunchtime. 
all this kind of silly shit. So, yeah, like, uh, I guess really, really positive showing from just uh, people in general. Obviously, uh, a huge, a huge showing from students themselves who were organizing all of this stuff, which is great. Um, there's obviously a very clear gap here in between, like, the politicians' ability to understand that, like you know they they obviously look at at students organizing this stuff and say your students um you you don't you, can't, you should be learning in school you can't drive cars and you can't vote so no one should give a fuck what you think about anything um all you people who are one year away from registering to vote mm. seems to be like a strange little they have gap. ipads too they love technology so they're hypocrites that's so true. Been some so great true. takes. Great takes online all round. Well, um, great takes in the Australian media as well, because as we, I think, all kind of expected of this, and as has been the case um, a few times since since the Conservative government started running Australia the last time around, or most of the time for the last several decades, um, there were, I think there was no front page coverage in any News Corp paper of what has been the second largest collective action in Australian history. Um, hundreds of thousands of people pouring out into the streets, taking time out of their school day or their work day. Um, apparently that doesn't really rate a mention. I, believe I wonder it was page why that is. six in like the Courier Mail. Well, it makes um, me think of like, um, remember when Tony Abbott was the prime minister and there was like that massive rally of like no confidence in the country's leader. And again, it was like, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people pouring out into the streets and the media just kind of didn't mention it. They just sort of didn't really do any coverage and um, like one person, one reporter asked the Prime Minister about it at the time and he said, uh, whatever. And that was the end of it. Cool. Yeah, so I guess the... The response in the media, very similar, where barely any coverage from any News Corp papers, which the unfortunate reality is that they have most of a monopoly on um, Australian print media and a lot of web media in this country. Uh, I did see a piece from the, like, right, buried right down in the back half of the Courier, um, and the whole thing was framed like, who remembers those things that, like, things like the chaser and Ali G and shit used to do where they would like take a map of the world and say, can you point to Iraq on this map? Like the daily mm. show used to mm -hmm. do that where, mm -hmm. where they'd label countries incorrectly and say, can you point to Iraq? And they point to Australia cause it had Iraq written on it. And they'd be like, look at these fucking dumb shit rubes. Um, they basically did that with a bunch of school children where they went up to them with a map and said, point to where the Adani coal mine is oh. on this map. Damn, and you got them. You owned them, yeah. bro. Yep. And a bunch of kids said, I don't know exactly where it is. And they went, oh, I guess you don't actually care. I guess you don't. Did you see mm. the good interview with the, the kid that was like, we don't like ScoMo. We want him out of the industry. And then, I don't know who the interviewer was. Maybe it was, like, Hugh Remington, but he's like, ah, oh, he's not in the industry. He's the prime minister. And the kid's just like, yeah, we want him out of the prime minister industry. <laughs> <laughs> Good on him. We stan. Love it. Love some sharp kids. Mm. But, uh, Shout out to that the, kid. Um, the Adani thing, though, is, like, versus Iraq. Like, the whole thing about Iraq is that it was a big geopolitical situation kind of so it kind of actually matters where the country is whereas with Adani who gives a fuck where the coal is being dug up from or where the coal is being it burnt? means nothing it means absolutely nothing because the, the fact of the matter is it's going into the atmosphere there's only one atmosphere it's like can you point to the earth where the co2 is going and that's a much easier question to answer i think yes. i personally know where the Adani coal mine is but I think yeah. that you guys should say it first. Mm. Oh, I could certainly point at a map and say it's on the coastline of Queensland somewhere. Mm. And that's is, about all is you it need. Though? Well, near it, you know. Uh huh. 
near the edge, maybe. Sure, yeah. Sure. Now, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you sound like you either know or you definitely don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I'm giving that impression, aren't I? <laughs> Queensland's a big place. It's in uh, there. It's in there. Uh, I feel like I've lost my own audio here. Nope. I'm back. No, you're good. Hello. Mm-hmm. I'm back, baby. Uh, yeah, so apart from anything else, um, great journalism there where it's very apparent that the only aim that they had in mind was to come out of it saying, these kids are fucking dumb and they don't actually know what they're talking about. So we There's shouldn't a lot of listen it to from, them. from uh, Andrew Bolt. I got to the paywall and I'm like, fuck this. I'm not reading. I'm not logging in to read this article from Andrew Bolt, but it's the usual horse shit of like, uh, kids kids think that they know a thing, but they're actually kids, so they're fucking idiots, not like me, Andrew Bolt, the smart guy, <laughs> who's ignoring all of the scientific evidence to arrive at this point. Well, it's, it's so... Sucks. It's so, like, you know, intellectually dishonest and inconsistent the way that apparently it's fine for every conservative in the world to arrive at their own conclusion about how science mm. works yep. and but it's kids fine are the for, fucking gullible ones yeah it's fine for like um it's fine for one nation senator malcolm roberts to just effectively craft his own narrative of of reality and physics and <laughs> Do you think they believe this, though? Like, are they genuinely convincing themselves that climate change isn't a problem? Or are they just being dishonest? I I 100% believe that that is the case. I I believe that that like because you look at people that are in the in the middle of this discussion and and they're like well you know I'm not really convinced you have to kind of extrapolate that to the people that are you know actively attacking kids and scientists and all of that that I I believe in their hearts that they have no fucking idea what's going on. I I think that there's there's probably a line between. Uh, the two sort of different types of people one of which is people Mm. who have no fucking idea what they're talking about um, but just want to have an opinion and hey we can all identify with that Um, you're listening to Punta Vista (laughs) welcome to Punta Vista (laughs) the uh, people who have no idea what they're talking about but love to have an opinion hour Um, and the other is people like Malcolm Roberts and he is genuinely a deranged conspiracy theorist actively carving out his own reality he is not only um, yeah not only is he someone who doesn't believe that climate change is happening he also believes that it's like an active conspiracy by like NASA and CSIRO to Mm. you know create fake data in order to advance the lizard people Jews of the world Right, kind of the thing. Democrats invented it to get votes or something. Yeah, which is yeah, working going really so well. well so far. Oh, yeah. Wonderfully. <laughs> yeah. I love how they pull all of the levers of power <laughs> but can't pull enough to get Hillary to, to go mm-hmm. to Vermont. That's, that's one of the things. I was thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about this over the weekend, like this whole idea of every time you see all of these prominent voices in the media who love to complain in their nationally syndicated columns and on their TV shows about how voices like theirs are being silenced, um, which is pretty much a cottage industry in Australia at this point. But there's always this this thing of like, ah, all all of these children are being brainwashed into this group think. Everybody is everybody is being like, you know, uh, hoodwinked and bamboozled mm. into thinking a particular way about this thing. And I always keep coming back to the same question, which is like, by who? They they seem to always have this <laughs> mm. sort of, they like, they they always seem to sort of draw draw a line, but they never quite connect the dots between what they're saying, which is there is some kind of you know mass effort to convince all these kids that global warming is happening and it's real and they need to do something about it, but it's like who's Who's leading that effort? Yeah, who's, who's the like, who's the big figurehead? Who's the big like corporate political interest who's gaining all of this money? I think it's like, Karl Marx. It's it's, it's Karl, Karl Marx, Marx. who's it's, also brainwashing the university students, where you go and get indoctrinated with your Marxism. True. And mm. I love the concept that like scientists are, are hoodwinking everybody because you know of some 
you know, Marxist philosophy or something at, at universities to get, like you said, to get like what out of it? Because it's not money or happiness because yeah, every single one of these dollars. people want to fucking kill themselves. Like <laughs> to a to a man or woman, they are <laughs> basically <laughs> suicidal at this point. Well, and, and again, even if the point was to say, ah, there is some sort of nefarious leadership somewhere that is like coordinating all of these efforts, which again, in classic conspiracy theory style would be extremely difficult to believe that there is some kind of like mass effort to coordinate all of the like science agencies across the world to all be coming up with the same data and all be fruitlessly telling governments that they really mm. need to do something about this. Like, again, who, who, <laughs> who is who's doing it? But also, yeah, what, what, is, what is anybody actually gaining out of it? Because if the idea is, oh, it's this, it's this big cabal that's controlling everything, they're doing a really fucking poor job because... Like, show me, show me all of these, like, far-left socialist governments that are in power and forcing everybody to, like, change what types of fuel they're using and everything. Because at the moment, the political agenda part of it is failing spectacularly. We've got Scott Morrison in Australia waving around a lump of coal that he's kissing in Parliament. We've got Donald Trump, like, actively opening up oil reserves in the US. Mm -hmm. um, more oil plenty of oil for everyone. I assume Boris Johnson is bad. I assume he sucks. Yep, of course. And and then, you know, you've also got, like, in other parts of the world, you've got Bolsonaro in Brazil, like, uh, giving free license to log and burn huge sections of the Amazon, which I don't think we need to live, all of us. Mm. So, again, if, if this is the big conspiracy, my problem is it's like... How how can you make such an industry out of this this grave existential threat, which is apparently having absolutely no success or impact in actually forcing people to adopt to this? But hey, let's not worry about the details. So there was that piece in which they said, uh, "Can you can you point at the map where the coal mine is? If not, you're a hypocrite." And there was also uh, a picture that's been doing the rounds. Oh, the fake one. The fake one. Oh, look at um, look at the fallout from these rallies where there's litter covering these parks everywhere. That's that's the what the, all these students did. They don't really care about the climate because they left all of their cheeseburger wrappers everywhere, mm -hmm. um, which someone immediately just reverse image searched in Google and said, "Hey, this is from years and years ago at a completely unrelated rally in Hyde Park, mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with the climate strike this at all." Stuff amazes me because this is where it's so disingenuous. Like, can you imagine sitting there as a leftist and putting a fake photo and being like, this is what conservatives did and not stopping for one moment to be like, maybe I'm not correct yeah. in this like, opinion. <laughs> like all of the ones that we, we do are like, um, you know, Crank T. Nelson on Twitter that's like, I'm organizing the Antifa super soldier yeah, um, you know, yeah. we're gonna go around like decapitate conservatives or whatever, like stuff that is just immediately seen through. But because you know, conservatives are either uh, credulous dipshits or actively malicious. The actively mm. malicious ones craft these things that, like, oh, this is this is the real gotcha moment, There's and then so every many single of these. motherfucker goes, "Ha, gotcha!" And then immediately, right? Because again, like, it's all bad faith. It's all fucking bullshit. You know, someone goes, "Hey, that's actually a picture from Hyde Park. It's totally different, totally different thing." But also. Uh, you know, what you're comparing uh, are just two different things where we're, we're talking about uh, litter that is picked up. That, that's, you know, a product of the capitalist consumerist, um, you know, world that we that we live in. And actually, you know, m many of these protesters are, you know, people that choose to reuse their plastics and, and you know, actively try and reduce their litter and all that kind of thing. Uh, but also you're comparing it to uh, coal-fired plants, which are pumping, you know, hundreds of thousands of times more impactful pollution into the air every single day. And they go, well, you know, <laughs> see, the thing, you're mad. And that's what <laughs> I was going for. You're, you're mad. Uh, so basically, I'm right. Pretty much. There's so loads of these. There's loads of pointing out. I saw a picture of like people having a barbecue 
at one of these climate change yes. protests and it was like yeah. oh look at all oh, these the emissions, emissions they're putting out even though like the prime point of these is that individual consumer choices are not the important thing it's like there's a whole segment of society that that somehow was just birthed with no concept of one number being bigger than another number mm. and it's the same horse <laughs> shit as like and and this is like the basis of all of their gotcha bullshit right a big thing i've seen lately is that um there's a um there's a greenhouse gas um that is um emitted by uh by wind turbines right and this is the we talked about it in the previous um you know climate episode where they conservatives will put put forward no this is from that that um uh, daily mail editor and they'll put forward this number that it's like it's 28 million times more potent than co2 and they forget to ask the question of how much is going out there um, but they put forward, you know, the wind turbines are putting out this this gas, right? And that, you know, leftists don't want you to know about it uh, as some huge gotcha thing of the, you know, the uh, utter, um, you know, hopelessness of our position. Where, one, you know that uh, because it's literally reported by the companies that make the wind turbines to say, mm-hmm. hey, in our production, uh, we create this gas, we know how much, and we know when you do the numbers, it is fucking inconsequential versus the amount of CO2 that an equivalent coal plant would put out, right? And also that these gases are produced by any kind of induction machine. But that's not what that's about. What we have to do is be absolutely perfect and um, produce no emissions, no no pollution whatsoever, or we don't have a leg to stand. And of course, that's horseshit. That's just total crap. Yep. Um, yeah, I saw something similar with some dickhead uh, tweeting about the climate strike and saying, oh, what none of these people have answered is what would the net effect on global emissions be if Australia completely reduced its emissions to zero? And of course, what they want somebody to say as a result of that is that it would only make a, a small, it would make a very small um, dent, if anything, in, you know, the, the total emissions across the globe when you take into account countries like China and the US. But again, that's not the point of any of this stuff. The point isn't to mm-hmm. say, hey, um, Australia should just do this thing and no one else should do anything and that's the end of the story. The point is to say it is about collective action. It's to say we need to like put as much pressure as possible on all of the countries to all mm. be doing everything they can to reduce this type of emission as much as possible so that we can collectively reduce the amount that we're all emitting. And as part of that, Australia should be doing its part, especially considering that I'm pretty sure that we are one of the biggest um, emitters per capita in the world. Yeah, as well as one of the biggest exporters um, of carbon. And that's like something that I don't think we as Australians talk about enough, that it's almost hardly worth talking about our our own carbon emissions, although that certainly is terrible because we are one of the highest per capita. But the amount that we export, that we like, like so many other things, like, you know, getting cheap goods made in China, um, we just export the problem. And make it somebody else's issue to deal with. Like, fuck, we we dug this coal up and now it's not our problem anymore. Yep. And we sent it problem. to China or we sent it to India and they yep. burned it. So and they they burned, are but the they, ones they've got doing a different the... environment over there. They're outside the environment. It's yeah. the meme picture. It's the Eric Andre meme picture where we're shooting them and then saying, why would India and China do this? Yep, absolutely. That's us. My goodness. So, um, yeah, obviously we had the response in the media which was bullshit as we all expected and we also had our responses um from governments around australia one of the initial very disappointing ones was um anastasia palaszczuk uh the premier of queensland Mm -hmm. the worst state yep quote unquote (laughs) labor Mm -hmm. uh, leader yep um so uh michael berkman who is a greens rep uh, mm-hmm. Tweeted during the week. Um, Absolutely hottie. A hottie, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just asked Anastasia Palaszczuk if she would follow in Daniel Andrews' lead 
who is the Premier of Victoria, and back public servants attending Friday's climate strike. I kid you not, the Queensland Labor Premier just told Parliament that strikes should be held, quote, after hours or on your lunch break. Does she know what a strike is? <laughs> Does she know what the Labor Party is? Yep. That's Premier a very that anti-Labor she... line. Incredible. That's so fucking sad. He goes on to say, the Premier said she, quote, believes in democracy, but in the same breath said protests should be permitted in, protests should be in permitted spaces with police approval. Yep. And children should be attending school and adults should be attending their workplaces. Well, you want to just corral people into their designated free speech zone. That's right. Remember You're one hour of doing protest that in- a month. Yep. Oh, remember when they were doing that in um, in the US after Iraq? Oh, sorry, uh-huh. after yep. 9-11 and they those, were going into Afghanistan. cages that they would put people yeah. into. Oh, yeah, well, it was, it was along oh the... Um, I think it was during... Uh, I think it was during like the the presidential parade for Bush's second inauguration, and yeah, and they were like, "Oh, you can protest. Mm. Uh, you just have to do it in one of our designated free speech zones, <laughs> which were literally like chain link fenced in areas that the police had deliberately set up, like several blocks back from the parade route. Yeah, where no one would ever see them." Yep. Imagine inventing the designated free speech zone and then thinking that it's the left that's like 1984. <laughs> now, if you want to have your say, what you need to do is you know, just step into this huge, soundless concrete cube. And you can scream as much as you want in there and really, really be heard just in the soundproof cube. And first, uh, first you're going to want to apply for police permission. Uh-huh. Yep, to protest. Make sure you get make sure you get permission from your employer before you protest. I think is mm-hmm. uh, a big ask, theme. Daddy. Yep. Yeah, just just this whole continuing thing that we have in Australia of you are allowed to have your own voice. You're allowed to make your voice heard as long as um, you're not actually forcing anyone to hear it. As long as you're not doing it in a way that disrupts. Uh, traffic or local businesses or your employer's right to your time in work hours or school or anything else, local traffic, any anything that might be even the slightest inconvenience to anyone uh, that might, say, disrupt anything somewhat. Mm. Uh, Environment Minister Susan Lay said that if the purpose of the protest was to draw government attention to climate change, quote, I can assure everyone that our attention is already there. Yeah, like overhearing someone being murdered in the alley next to you. (laughs) Yep, I hear you. I'm quite aware of the murder, thank you. I know what's happening. She says, we are taking real and coordinated global action on climate change while ensuring our economy remains strong. (sighs) Name one. (laughs) <laughs> name one of name the actions. <laughs> well, she went She went snorkeling at the Great Barrier Reef and then she said everything's fine. Oh, right. The reef is definitely, that's definitely fine. That's a, there's a scientific consensus on how good the reef is going. How much the reef that's rocks. For sure. And yeah. you definitely go and see it. Um, in a statement, Education Minister Dan Tien drew a link between the global strike movement and flagging test results around the country. What? I'm sure that's nothing to do with like um, stripping funding from the education system or making everything about yeah. standard test results. Yeah, uh, the, the, the um, so, so this this link goes to the NAPLAN results, right? And uh, this year there was a big um, strike against the NAPLAN by teachers. Teachers stopped teaching the NAPLAN because, like you said, it's you know just another thing in this standardization process that has no real overlap with reality as far as how kids operate or or are taught but no it's the um half a day off that the kids you know took for themselves at the end of the term uh when you know otherwise they would have had the av trolley pushed in and they watched gremlins <laughs> 2 or something no no they right? all would have like, they all would have aced it if if not for these these several hell. hours out of a whole year god damn it yeah, just hey, kids. You know how you're worried, and you know you're always thinking about how um, all us teachers. We got a full life. We got one of those lives that went from like zero all the way up to like seventy or eighty, uh, and yet you will be soon living out 
uh, kind of a the, the road kind of scenario. Just put that to one side in your mind. Stop thinking about that. And what we need you to do is do some derivatives instead. Yeah. Um, so he says the true test of the protesters commitment would be how many turned up for a protest held on a Saturday afternoon yeah, fucking, it's fucking bullshit as well because in the protest the, the people that were leading the chants the people that were most vocal uh, that I saw were unionists and kids yep right um, the kids actually fucking cared you get kids to care about anything right like anything at all and you've got these kids out there who are you know actively engaged in this fucking thing what a what a load of shit and that, uh, this like we were saying about just being completely sort of dishonest about uh everybody's involvement and motivations here uh, much like the point of the map show me where Adani is mm. um was this whole idea that we saw lots of conservative commentators spouting, which was, oh, the only reason that kids are going to this is because it's during a school day. Oh, who who would be shocked by the fact that a bunch of kids wanted a Friday afternoon off school? And again, comes back to the idea of, well, you're allowed to do it, but as long as you're not disrupting anything and as long as you're not actually doing anything out of the ordinary or not doing it in a way that actually draws any attention to it, completely misunderstanding the point of a protest or collective action or a strike. Um, this idea that, yeah, like, oh, if, well, if they had, had it on a Saturday afternoon, let's see if people turn up then. It's like, well, it's a fucking strike. The, the point was to actually take time out of the thing you would normally be doing and have some kind of material impact. Hmm. So, again, this idea that the only reason that kids were in favor of this thing was that they wanted the afternoon off school. If that was the case and they got the afternoon off school, they could have just not fucking gone to the thing. Right. It's not like it's anyone would have known that one specific kid wasn't at the thing. Yet, but, strangely enough... But they got, in, they got brainwashed, though, Andrew, into thinking a thing was important. God forbid. Um, acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick denounced the climate protests, claiming that students would learn more at school than at a protest rally. That is, of course, the only place that you can learn anything. This oh, is also, incredible. Where do you think they learnt about the science and the climate change? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's exactly right. And also, I would say that would be true in one and only one circumstance and that is if they said look you can go to the protest or you can stay here and we will also teach you um all of the science as to how um you know co2 works as a greenhouse gas um what the biggest emitters are um how we sit what the what the way forward is uh how much time we have left that's literally the only circumstance in which i can imagine them staying at school um, would be more meaningful than them going to this protest. Uh, McCormick continued, I think these sorts of rallies should be held on a weekend where it doesn't actually disrupt business, it doesn't disrupt schools, it doesn't disrupt university. Mm. So once again, just showing yeah. either the most fundamental misunderstanding of the purpose of a thing like this or what I think is cl more close to the reality is that the only thing that uh, conservative politicians actually give a fuck about is business uh, being disrupted in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I got bad news about uh, what climate change is going to do to that. So, hmm. hope he's looking forward to that. You might be asking why um, huge dipshit Michael McCormick is currently the acting prime minister. I am. I am asking. And it's because um, a genuine huge dipshit prime minister is doing more important stuff than dealing with this, like going over to the US to meet Donald Trump and kiss him on his big white stupid ass. So uh, from an article somewhere, I wasn't paying attention, US President Donald Trump has lauded Scott Morrison as a, quote, man of titanium in a White House meeting that canvassed stronger military action against Iran, rising tariffs against China, and joint defense work in Afghanistan. Now, you've gone with lauded there, yeah, Andrew. Would you like lauded better? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Oh, look, we report, you decide. Lauded, lauded. I would go either way with this one. Huh. Hmm. Not sure. Could be wrong. Um, would, would you like to hear... Uh, Google's official pronunciation of no, this? No, no, yes. that's fine. Just in it's case I'm wrong. wrong. Yeah. 
Well, the good news is that you're right. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, more importantly, I've been dragged for fucking weeks for saying NASA. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> do we want to do we want to get back to last week where Theo was, was? I didn't even hear that out loud. I just saw it in the Discord, and I was it's NASA. Incredible. Theo said, Theo said NASA. <laughs> NASA, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to space NASA. with NASA. I'm going on a, a space shuttle with NASA to outer out space. NASA, Leviosa, it's NASA. <laughs> God, I used to think that me living in this glass house would be a bad place for me to throw stones from. Here are my handful of stones and it's gone wrong. Fuck. Mr. Trump heaped praise on the Prime Minister and spoke of eternal ties between Australia and the United States during talks that cemented ties between the two allies on defence and trade. Ask about a remark, it does Who suck. are we defending from? I don't know. Who? <sighs> Fuck. Asked about a remark in 2003 when former President George W. Bush described former Prime Minister John Howard as a man of steel for standing his ground, Mr. Trump upgraded the description for Mr. Morrison... You know, titanium's much tougher than steel, Mr. Trump told reporters in the Oval Office. He's a man of titanium. Is that true? I have to deal with this guy. He's a man of real, real strength and a great guy. And I'm sure that's nothing to do with... um, I'm sure that's nothing to do with, like, Scott Morrison and Boris Johnson being the only two, like, elected leaders of the Western world who are willing to just absolutely grab their ankles for Donald Trump mm-hmm. and say, oh, yes, sir, absolutely anything. You're a great leader and a wonderful Donald man. Trump has forgotten who Scott Morrison is by now immediately. <laughs> he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't pick him out of a crowd. Like. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, you just know that the whole thing with, like, Scott Morrison that we all hate so much about him. Um, one of the many things that we all hate so much about Scott Morrison is just his absolute grinning dipshit quality of man who cannot believe that he actually caught the car that he was chasing. Mm-hmm. He is the prime minister. He's not doing anything with it. He's just happy to be there. Smiling he is like so happy to be there. Fucking rude. I didn't think you could goes. get worse than both Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull. But we've done it. We're still on we've that slide, it. baby. So, um, as part of this, this junket, um, a, a bunch of, uh, there is a press pool that is brought over from Australia and that included like some people from the ABC, but most importantly, it included Sky News presenter and definitely not a journalist in any way, shape or form, Paul Murray. Paul Murray is a great big dipshit of the highest order. Mm-hmm who has a TV show on Sky News, a subscription-based service that nobody watches, where every night he um, scrolls on his iPad and then yells at things on the screen. And he was bought over... He's like a weak Alex Jones. He's a garbage Alex Jones. Absolute garbage Alex Jones. So he was brought over. He got to do an interview with Scott Morrison in which he asked hard-hitting questions like, how are you? And have you had a nice day? (laughs) Great. Great stuff. Great stuff. I'd love to be interviewed that way, to be honest. Oh, how are you? What are you having for dinner tonight? Mm. All that sort of stuff. Do you like Scott? <laughs> Scott, your friend? Um, absolutely embarrassing access journalist. And as uh, other journalist Hugh Rimmington points out on Twitter, he says, to get an interview with the US president, I know, I've tried. The White House media team clears you with the Australian ambassador in DC, who in turn clears it with the Prime Minister's office. This is what the Prime Minister's office put forward. It is not journalism, simply reward. And that's not very hard to believe, considering... They chose this man. They chose... Is Joe Hockey still the US ambassador? Yeah, yes. Okie dokie. Mm. <laughs> it all makes sense. Oh... Mm. Uh... But it turns out that Scott Morrison actually wanted someone else to come along on this trip. He wanted Hillsong pastor Brian Houston at the White House dinner, according to this report from the Wall Street Journal. Prime Minister Scott Morrison reportedly wanted Hillsong pastor Brian Houston to be part of his delegation to the United States, but was rebuffed by the Trump administration. 
The Australian government put forward Mr Houston as an attendee for the official state dinner at the White House, but gave up after the Americans vetoed the invitation during negotiations, the Wall Street Journal reports. In his first speech to Parliament, Mr Morrison said he had been greatly assisted by the pastoral work of many dedicated church leaders and specifically thanked Mr Houston. At a Hillsong event earlier this year, Mr Morrison appeared on stage with the pastor and called for more prayer and worship in Australia. Hillsong and Mr. Houston were censored by the Royal Commission into the Institutional Responses to Child Sex Abuse uh, for their response to abuse by his father, Frank Houston. The commissioners found that the younger Mr. Houston and the church's senior leadership had failed a victim by not reporting abuse to police. Um, So the whole story with that was that there had been swirling rumors for a long time that um, church founder, was he the founder? Frank Houston... A very, very influential figure within the church um, had also, say, abused some kids. And uh, they covered all that shit up. And then when it finally came out, they went, oh, um, we are taking Frank Houston out of the ministry for some reason. Bye, everybody. On Saturday, Mr. Houston said it was, quote, extremely disappointing that media coverage had linked the story about the White House invitation to the Royal Commission. You cover up child sex abuse one time that people find out about. And all of a sudden, it's all anyone wants to talk about. to all of us. Honestly, I'm surprised that the uh, US cared. Cared enough to, to be, say no. To say no, thank mm. you. I'm, I'm honestly surprised. Well, it's interesting because, like, Mike Pence is a huge Jesus freak. He probably, he probably loved that shit. So it's interesting because you almost would have thought that the Trump administration would relish an invitation to like, you know, just rub in their face how very obviously like Judeo-Christian they're being at all times. Uh, Great news. Great news from world leaders this week and just north of the United States. Mm, There's another country connected there in Northern America. I believe it's called Canada. I think it is called Canada. Canada. Uh, <laughs> more, more, and more like like a Northern Australia every day. I know this isn't funny, but it's so funny. <laughs> it is funny. Now on this show, we do have a particular fascination um, with talking about blackface, and specifically, it's just so nice. mm-hmm. specifically why Australians cannot stop doing it. And apparently um, it's not just us. It's incredible to see a story like this come from outside of Australia. Oh, and what is this story, Lucy? Uh, that would be Woke Bay SJW Daddy Justin Trudeau and his history. His vast history of doing <laughs> blackface. <laughs> the man loves to do blackface, he it just, turns out. He loves it. So, on Wednesday, Time magazine broke the story that Trudeau wore brownface at an Arabian Nights-themed party in 2001. So, this isn't... I don't think this is feasibly long enough to have any forgiveness. At the elite private school where he was a teacher, Trudeau, then 29... Just want to reiterate that he's 29 at the time. Also, the- I, I didn't... I didn't make the connection here. Mm. I thought that this photo was like from a frat party where he was Same. I didn't know until I saw this that he was a teacher. I thought he was like a teen. (laughs) And then I read this. He was 29. He's seen in a photo grinning through dark face makeup with a turban on his head. I also want to point out that he has made up his hands and his entire body. This is is a commitment to blackface where he would have had at least, I'm going to say, 30 minutes to take a breather and say, maybe this is not a good idea. It would have taken long enough to yeah. do. That this you is would- like commitment, like the, um, you know, like the, the lady that gets gets done up in the in the blue makeup for X-Men or whatever that takes mm. six hours. Commitment to the bit, just sitting there in his chair going, ah, well, it'll all be worth it when I turn up to this party completely blacked up from head to toe. <laughs> and it and it very much is. It's not it's not some like amateur hour shit. This is no. we're talking head to toe. Head to toe, like black shoe polish. No no A light lot. can no light can escape 
this mm-hmm. man's vicinity. Absolutely. So he apologized soon after, saying he didn't consider it racist at the time. He admitted huh. to an incident in high school where he wore blackface, adding the explanation that he has always been more enthusiastic about costumes than is sometimes appropriate. That sounds uh, a lot of like... Of course, a- he's <laughs> referring to uh, that amazing photo of him doing the namaste. <laughs> <laughs> just... Oh. oh, there's oh. just this progression of headlines that just, I'm just, just gonna Google Justin destroyed Trudeau me Namaste that day. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Google Justin Trudeau Namaste is equally as funny. So my first headline that I saw of this, because of my time difference, is I woke up and just logged onto my Twitter and just saw the headline, video resurfaces of Trudeau in third blackface incident. <laughs> <laughs> A third this is all in like 12 hours, too. <laughs> It's just, oh, oh that's incredible. And then my favorite headline was, Trudeau cannot say how often he wore blackface. <laughs> Who could say? Who could say? He hey, did apologize know- and pointed out that his privilege and the way he grew up made him blind to this, which normally I would agree with. But when you're uh, in that level of, I don't know, I feel like he should have known better on many occasions Definitely before the age of 29. Not sure if I'm going to say that this one's a youthful mistake. God damn. Um, yeah, I mean, like, f- for example, if I were to ask you, Theo, how yeah. many times have you done blackface? Uh-huh. And, and you would say, I don't uh. know. <laughs> You'd say, uh, how can one put a number so I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm the kind of person that um, is like shameful of every single thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I had um, several blackface incidents like lurking in my past, that I would remember the number. If it wasn't exactly zero, I, like I would have a, a, a guess, like an estimate yeah. at least. Yeah, like ah, uh, is it? Four? Is it five? And Justin's just like shaking his head sadly. <laughs> like, He's just 10, shrugging. 20. He's just shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is pretty comfortable um, to be able to just say, "Yeah, um, zero. How many times? How many times have I gone and got either like a a thick layer of dark grease paint makeup?" Mm. Or just a can of good old-fashioned black shoe polish. And then um, taking some type of, you know, makeup removal pad or something like that. Uh, Something where you can get a thick layer going. (laughs) Started scooping out. (laughs) Scooping out layers of of shoe polish. How many times have I done that, you ask? The Australian excuse, which was brought up in the, the great blackface, red faces incident. Which mm-hmm. was that Australians didn't really understand the history of blackface. The cultural significance. The yeah. cultural significance. I feel like, I don't know, do, can, do, do Canadians not know much about racial segregation and racial history? I feel like they've probably had some of their own racial problems in the past. I would, I would assume so. But, uh, but also, yeah, like I just, I've, I've said this before when we've talked about the Australian propensity for blackface, which is. It, it just doesn't wash with me that you can be simultaneously aware of it, particularly when you see, like, the way some people do it. You can simultaneously be aware of its existence and also not understand why it's not a great look. Yeah, like, and in that case, you might do it once, hear about why it's not a great thing and be like, hmm, makes sense, won't do that again. But in this case... Just so many opportunities for change, you know? So many chances to just say, you know what? I'm actually going to jump in the shower, uh, get some paint thinner. <laughs> Surely to- he remembers taking the black, like, off every oh. single time. It, it sounds would just like be an ordeal. A, it's such an ordeal. Imagine. Probably just Arabian Nights parties too, just... Just don't like, do that one at imagine all. Imagine forgetting how many times you'd had to spend six hours just getting black. Just scrubbing. Off of you. Off your hands. Till you're pink like a baby. <laughs> Looking at, yeah, like having what looks like an extremely badly applied fake tan for the next two weeks at all of the classes you are teaching. 
teaching. <laughs> oh, every, you come in, uh, you come in on the Monday morning, and everyone's like, "Oh, Professor Trudeau's been at it again, <laughs> been blacking up out there." Oh my god! What was the theme this week, Professor? <laughs> Moroccan nights, Arabian nights. God hadn't thought it. about Justin Trudeau in a while. It sounds like things are just generally going really badly for Justin Trudeau. Yeah, not great. Uh, it sounds like his whole career of, like I said, being, being the woke bay, wearing his clever socks and all that kind of thing has just mm. not been washing out as he continues to do things like railroad massive oil pipelines through indigenous communities and all that sort of stuff. So, eat shit. Eat shit, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Before we go, mm. before we go, we might just have time for one quick edition of a little segment that we all know and love called Plainly Speaking. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. Yes, that's right, folks. Lovely, it's a lovely little <laughs> intro. It's very I feel like I'm on a plane. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> because Lucy loves Such a polite planes. man. She loves planes. Love she loves plane news. Love airplane food. Big fan. Airplane food? Mm. What was, uh, what was the most recent airplane food that you had? Do you remember? You know, I haven't had anything great lately because I fly Jetstar to Hawaii. But they do have a delicious mac and cheese for anyone stuck on a Jetstar flight. Huh. I feel Not like a every time... Post. I, I never take long enough flights to warrant getting anything other than like, here is a, a cracker and a small cup of Sprite. Something Damn. like that. You know? Sorry to hear it. It's an experience. I love it. I love the little the little cold bread roll. I love the, the garbage food that you never know what you're going to get. Oh, it's hmm. exciting. There you go. So, uh, this week we, we did just pick up this little post from Andy Slater on Twitter. Uh, who looks like he might be a news anchor of some kind. Hmm. And he says, Bloody mess on my flight to Miami. Woman in aisle seat has blister on her foot pop. (laughs) Blood splatters across the aisle, (laughs) including on the two guys in front of me, (coughs) one of their books and the window. Didn't like seeing this image. Just going to put that straight out there. And he has attached a photo here. He's attached a photo. Thea, would you like to describe the photo for us? Okay, so we've got an open book on a on an airplane tray. That's a uh, it's a paperback. It's open to a to the page that they were reading when the incident occurred. Um, and I would say that there is not an insubstantial amount of um, blister fluid. We're talking about uh, blood and plasma. Yeah, it's very it's very clearly Horrible. not just not just blood, is it? Mm. <laughs> hey guys, I, I have to say at home I'm having a, a as bad a time as you are with this uh, and it is just splattered all across this guy's book. Um and uh that final detail in the story Andrew which I find possibly funniest uh is that <laughs> the the fire brigade has to meet the flight when it lands. We uh, gotta hose this broad <laughs> down. <laughs> oh, oh that's that is a nightmare to me. And they would have had to like travel. Uh, they have to land after that, just covered in in blister. Fluid. They have to How live with that experience. Pop? I guess it's like a pressurized. Cabin oh, scenario? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, I like guess because your feet swell, maybe. Down. I don't know, maybe. Was she in is bare feet at the time? This is another reason to not take your shoes off on the plane. Oh. Don't do it, everybody. You shouldn't take your shoes off on the plane. Ugh. I know it feels good, but don't do it. But don't do it. Come on. Have a little respect for your fellow travelers, you know? Mm. We're all suffering. Don't do it. Goodness me. Yep, they land in Miami and immediately, like, six firefighters in full uniform storm into the aisles and yell, Where's the disgusting woman? <laughs> Where's... <laughs> People in hazmat suits coming on. Just hosing her down. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they bring the hose straight in through the door. 
<laughs> just open it up full blast into the cabin. Mm. Oh, truly upsetting stuff and a wonderful note to leave on today. Mm. You're oh. welcome. If uh, if you would like a bonus episode of this show every week, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista and for only $5 a month, you can get a, an extra bonus episode every week. Two episodes a week. Crazy stuff. It could happen to you. It could happen to you. Uh, but until next time, Oh, I can hear Theo's crows getting excited in the background. Yep, they know, they know I'm about <laughs> to finish. Yep, and I will finally get some attention from their crow daddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it for us, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Namaste. Nam- <laughs> Namaste. Namaste to you all. Goodbye. Namaste, brothers and sisters. Farewell. So well.